Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dyslexic. Now, before we get started on this episode, I do want to give a listener uh, discretion uh, because this episode (laughs) is going to cover some more uh, adult topics uh, based on a show that was meant to be uh, 21 plus uh, that I was graciously invited to experience. And there will be, you know, some foul language, maybe some innuendo, stuff along those lines. So just listener discretion is advised. And with all that being said, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dyslexic Season 3, Episode 22. Today, we are doing something a bit different. We have a very special episode today, because today, we are talking about a theme park-based interactive digital comedy show experience that I was so graciously gifted a ticket to experience by the creators. And, you know, we'll talk more about the, the details and the name of it and all that in just a moment. Um, but speaking of the creators, they are joining us today for today's episode. So let's welcome them. Uh, joining me today um, are the creators of the amazing digital experience called Fuck the Mouse, um, which uh, one of the creators is cast member of Dyslexic and good friend of mine, Mel's of Twin Knives Productions. Hello, Mel. Hello, I'm coming to you straight from the void. I am so excited to have you back. It's been a minute. Yeah, it has. Last time was um, <clears throat> the Kennywood episode that got lost and then rebirthed. It was. That was a great episode. Funny enough, that was one of my best performing episodes. Thanks to you. Really? Aww. It was. Yeah. All thanks to you. Um, and then also joining us is Josh of Unstable Nightmare People. Hi, I'm Josh. I'm Hello. An unstable nightmare person. <laughs> <laughs> Ah. Uh, welcome to the show for your first time. I am so excited to have you here, and uh, you're welcome. And I'm just I'm really excited to talk about the show because I loved it. It was something that I have never done before. It really pushed me out of my comfort zone. <coughs> Excuse me, wouldn't be dyslexic without a cough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Long time listeners know that, um, but it was something that really pushed me out of my comfort zone and really really um challenged me in in kind of a way that i really enjoyed it was something very different for me and i was so excited that you guys were kind enough to um gift me uh this this experience and i can't wait to talk about it with you Mm -hmm. yeah it was it was great having you there it's always um it's always extra i don't know nice having someone that you kind of know on the outside do one of these shows because you know i can talk really candidly with you about it afterwards but also it's just funny mostly to predict what you might say when i say something and so that's good (laughs) yeah especially with like how well you know me and how well i react like you like you know me well enough that like some some of the things that i i was doing for this show were like way out of my wheelhouse and out of my comfort zone and i loved it because it was it like gave such a freedom that i had not experienced before and i really really enjoyed it so again thank you guys both from the bottom of my heart because i really really enjoyed doing this show absolutely oh yes yeah (laughs) it, it was a pleasure and we had a great audience overall this was like one of the just one of the most chill and respectable and and just like I don't know it's, it sounds weird to say like well behaved but like really just cordial and great audience so you you had a you had a really nice group of people to like jump into this 
extremely obscure, uh, hardly defined art form. I'm going to say that you call it an art form, and I 100% agree with that because it was it was something that was completely different than I have ever experienced, and it also got me thinking and art is something that gets you thinking and invokes a reaction which is exactly what you guys do especially uh with this show in particular um and it it was it was really exciting to experience um this almost i mean i don't know if it's fair because you know with this being my first i you guys are more experts on it i don't know if it's fair to call it like a new form of theater or art but that's what it felt like to me yeah it's definitely like it's something that's evolving that we've kind of seen especially come out of the pandemic more and more um, a lot of what we do could kind of be likened back in some ways to um, augmented reality games reality games which have been run online for you know a number of years and this idea of creating a, a fictional world for people to live and breathe in and then Mel's and I have been lucky enough to be working together now for you know, over a year and a half, right, Mills? Jeez. Yeah, like just, um, just, just about a year and a half we've been yeah, doing this. A- this is essentially our full-time work at this point. For me, it yeah. definitely is. And then, yeah, I, I work a, a normal job and spend hours and hours and hours doing this, um, yeah, writing and, and, and preparing stuff. Yeah, well, it is. It, it's, it's, the current form of it is, I would definitely say, a new art form. And, um, marketing these experiences under the phrase immersive experience i would say is the newest thing and i guess mm-hmm. real quick just because I, I i assume most listeners on here have not done something like this because if you had i would have met you because i would have been working on the show because there's not very much of this, <laughs> um, this is a very small budding thing but essentially what josh and i and a, and a really lovely handful of other creators began doing uh during the pandemic was making um, primarily text and audio-based experiences for people to do at home. Uh, Whether that be horror or just fantasy or slice of life, it can be any type of genre, but it's normally done through online chatting or texting, phone calls, Zoom calls, those types of things, but not just like performing a Shakespeare play on Zoom, which I see get labeled as immersive sometimes through like Vice, and I'm like, okay, yeah (laughs) the 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 key the key to what we do is interaction is that is that whatever story is being told the audience is uh an integral piece of it and has some influence on the going on agency yeah yes yeah so that's that's kind of what this is and fuck the mouse was was exactly that it was but it was it was done on discord a lot of what we do is on discord um it is the platform (laughs) yeah it it was something like I've never experienced before, and I really, really loved it. And I, I know I just kind of keep saying that, but it, it just, it, it just was something so new for me. And like, it was really fun to be a true like part of the show and be interactively. Truly, wasn't an immersive experience because it was this whole other world where I basically became a whole new person and was helping move the story along along with the other uh audience members and participants and that's just not something you really see compared to other forms of like theater with like you know like a broadway show or a play or a shakespeare in the park 
you don't have a lot of interaction. Like, I guess, like, the closest to interactive you could get is maybe, like, a, a shadow cast of, like, Rocky Horror or something. But, like, yeah. nothing like this. Like, this was well, just and then really a, interactive. A, a huge, a huge inspiration for both me and Josh is the the general interactive immersive uh environment of theme parks which mm -hmm. is why that was such an obvious theme to tackle Me in too. this like in this very loose digital version of immersion um you know kind of the same idea of like i love that vibe of like walking through the pirates of the caribbean queue past that cozy little like gated off corridor on the right and just being like wow i'm in another world and you know mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of trying mm -hmm. to do that but but through the ways that we communicate with each other the most anyways, which is texting and calling and digital. And mm -hmm. it's pretty effective, but this was different because it was just a straight up comedy. There, we weren't trying to scare people or convince them we were living in their closet. <laughs> we were literally shit posting. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> it was, I, mean, I, at, yeah. oh, I was just gonna say it was absolutely wonderful. Like it was, and it, it was very funny. I will tell you that. And I, I think we can be um, a little less candid about what the show is about. I think we can, if, you, if you guys were cool with it. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the show's oh, yeah. over, and this this sometimes we want to rerun stuff, but I think at the like at the very core of Ape It Witch and JPEG Jones are it, it's it's the silliest parts of me and Josh and about our friendship, yeah. and these shows sprout purely off of the things that bring us joy in the moment so whatever they're up to is always going to change because it's whatever we like the most yeah and so um the eight bit witch and jpeg jones and fuck the mouse is a um remote immersive experience where as an audience member you get to meet the eight bit witch who is a living sentient lesbian um computer virus who loves really great music and her best friend and familiar, JPEG Jones, who is a small animated um, pink and yellow pug. And the basis of the show is that the witch was really, really sad because her ex was really bothering her. Right, Mills? Am I right? Yes. And yeah. uh, to, to, to cheer <laughs> up um, Bitsy, the 8-Bit Witch, who I play the 8-Bit Witch, um, they uh, pretty much, we started just uh, trying to raise money. And one of the reasons we needed money was because um, Mickey Mouse owed jpeg jones 69 billion bitcoins for drugs yep and if we got that money back um we might be able to build a theme park of our own and make the ape which happy and and that was really that's kind of how it all started um <laughs> is that um yeah mel's all you jump in and take it from there yeah i mean everything about these characters stems from just us like really really pouncing on on what we're into at the time to make us happy um, um yeah all kind of starting with like you fucking around with some glitch core and vaporwave art and sort mm -hmm. of creating the, the style that you ended up dubbing um glitch you know, i mean glitchcraft is a term yeah glitchcraft people have used it as hashtags and stuff but like we've defined that as an aesthetic for the show um and i mean you know you can kind of explain glitchcraft more than i can but <laughs> at 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 at, at yeah, it's it's cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, this, 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 Ape at Witch in the in the very creating a story that was you know, private 
was kind of yeah. the goal. And so, you know, there was a story going on and we had a, mostly people in the audience who mm -hmm. are not what I would consider like Disney people. Um, they're immersive people. They're people that we've done a lot of really serious shows with and who don't really know that much about the parks. Um, and so we, we kind of wanted to pull them in with characters that they had mm -hmm. met in another production and then also try to appeal to some theme, specifically the disenfranchised, no longer pixie dusted Disney fans, which um, if anyone listening to this follows me on Twitter, which you, you probably do, like that's me. I'm, I'm absolutely <laughs> fucking over it. Disney pisses me off most of the time. It makes me very sad. Call me a hater. I literally do not care. <laughs> it's, it, it pisses me off a lot. And like, as Josh and I have gotten closer, you know, my 3 a.m. rants about how like, Disney is is personally hurting me by protecting their brand. Uh, it, it, like these, it just goes on and on, and it it, it 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 these characters seemed very apt for kind of putting a lot of that criticism out there. But I not, know. I'm not here to make a statement. I'm no business writer. I'm no <laughs> fucking Imagineer. Neither's Josh. Um, but like, we can. We, you yes, you are. Yes, Queen. Um, we are. Uh, we do have opinions, and it's kind of fun to laugh about those. Yeah, I agree. Fuck the so, mouse. So, you know, fuck, fuck the mouse. The mouse is kind of ruining a lot of shit that we both really like. Like, that 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 name, you know, we're, we love super catchy titles for our shows. I mean, we have under our belt, yeah. Don't Go to School Tomorrow, and I Don't Want to Do This Anymore. It's kind of like the, the darkest, most on-the-nose, snappy titles we could work with. Um, and this is literally <laughs> no different. It may be a comedy, but there is like definitely a dark edge to the Ape at Witch work and JPEG Jones stuff. Um, mm. And uh, and Disney just pisses us off a lot. And I oh, still absolutely. I still appreciate so much uh, yeah, of what they are. This done was this. both a love yeah, and if we a didn't hate love letter, obviously. Like I, you, you I'm saw go that ahead and make this statement. Yeah, I mean, if you like something, it is okay to criticize it when you don't enjoy what they're doing, especially and, when it's Disney. Especially when it's Disney. Yeah, and honey. I, I anyone agree. with that much money, they don't care about anybody, and you don't have to care about them, and you don't have to defend them. And it, uh, it, it was really fun though to malign them in in such a such a ridiculous way, because like, you know, I can say till I'm blue in the face that oh, I think it's boring how over integrated IPs are into the park, but it's much more fun to say that Mickey Mouse fucked my wife and stole 69 billion bitcoins worth of cocaine from me um <laughs> that's you know that's where all of this came from it's like i think sort of the dynamic we tend to have is that the, the ape witch is just vibing and jpeg jones the little pug gets into like major shenanigans like yeah like drug smuggling shenanigans and i even made like a I, I edited a whole video that was supposed to be like the nightmarish drug-fueled party at the magic kingdom that led to the robbery <laughs> that's, that's kind of another thing that inspired the show, at least for me, is I absolutely love, I love the really gaudy, ugly art style of like, I don't know, like Alice in Wonderland is doing cocaine. Oh my God, is that Peter Pan with a bong? And like, <laughs> but I, I love that subgenre of art of like taking Disney them somehow trashy mm -hmm. or generically unappealing. Like, I, I love that. And I think um that aesthetic is so ingrained and it's you know because like i'm sure everybody remembers like the gangsta mickey and gangsta spongebobs that were really really trendy in the early 2000s mm -hmm, yeah. um it, it's all that same universe of just putting them in the last scenario that they would be in based on the source material 
um, which is also just something we like to do with all types of things. Absurdity is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'll tell you that one of the first times I had felt Disney magic in a really long time was um, when I was first started developing the Ape Witches um, art style, and I, I got a lot of photographs of cast members behind the scenes in compromising positions, and it really became a focal part of my work. And I was like, no, this is the magic. These are the cast members being real people. And that just did it for me. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this have seen, you know, a lot of images that used to float around mm -hmm. on Twitter. It's just inappropriate backstage Disney photos. But there there really is, I mean, to other artists, I think, not that it sounds really pretentious, but this applies to anyone who considers himself an artist. There is something intensely relatable about um, seeing someone goofing off at, at a serious job, you know? Yep. It's, it's mm -hmm. funny and it's relatable. I mean, at Horror Nights, the way that we bastardized American Horror Stories canon just with ourselves because we could, it, it, it was literally constant and nonstop. It's part of what you do. And so that that irreverence mixed with fantasy, I think, is, is also kind of at its core of what we wanted to do mm -hmm. uh, with these characters in general. And they were developed for a show, not even... <laughs> that wasn't even our own. It was developed for a sequel show made by someone else. But we really, like... Yeah, we really dived into it. I'm gonna go ahead and say this. I fell in love with the characters and loved them and really got into the story um, and started following. I, I as somebody who, with this being my first first experience, I may have not thrown myself 100% into it, but I, pro I, I would say I, I threw myself a good, like, 89 to like 95 percent into it mm -hmm. and it was more of just kind of getting my bearings of doing an interactive show like this and kind of like figuring out those bits and pieces but even though i wasn't as um active as some of the other audience members i genuinely fell in love with these characters and loved following the plot and what also i thought was really fun was i really enjoyed like kind of figuring out the plot over mm -hmm. like having to go different um discord like sections or servers or whatever you ever you call it because i'm so great at technology um <laughs> but you know going to those different sections in that discord server and like figuring out the different plot points and reading like personal messages between the characters but then here's the messages they're sending to all of us but then the audience mm -hmm. members are sending this and you had to like you, you really had to like keep up to understand the story and it was super fun and plus it went across multiple social platforms mm -hmm. which was really um interesting and uh that that's that's kind of a a, a question i like to ask is like what what made you to want to um kind of like ex and expand the show to multiple platforms instead of just discord like what what inspired that I think we just always want to have as much reach as humanly possible. And, and a lot of times, at least from a lot of the work I do begins on Instagram. It'll start there. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I love to create a character. I, I have so many Instagram accounts. You'd be shocked. Um, that, are, that, are, that, are, that, are, that are characters. I'm not just talking Finstas. I'm the Bing Bong bitch. I'm the 8-Bit witch. I'm Boxes the Clown. Like, it's wild, bro. Oh, yeah. Um, and so a lot of I've, we've we've both reached and fully maxed out Instagram's limit for accounts, and uh, yeah. 
yeah. it's become this fight when we now that we're working on new projects like what old what old instagram account yeah. do i have to sacrifice so that i can put this new character into the world <laughs> it really yeah. sucks but i can say this now jpeg jones will literally never go away it is the proudest yeah. of any work i've ever been yeah and so yeah like we like i i like so a lot of times it starts there and we see okay well can people vibe with it can they get the you know will it work and then we'd love to you know take it to discord at that point and any place that we can um to reach people like people used to do face shows on facebook too but that's like a dead thing now unfortunately yeah facebook is getting too nosy to be able to effectively do a show in um it's, they just their way i mean the fact that they even monitor like personal messages for certain keywords and flagging yeah it's, it's frustrating um and then also with the with the Instagram thing, um, multiple platforms is always good just for reach. But in mm. specifically the case of these characters, like <laughs> JPEG Jones eats clout like kibble. Like that's literally yeah. how he survives. <laughs> so in in the sense that um, the ape witch is a is a sentient virus, JPEG Jones is a sentient meme. Like he he is the living embodiment <laughs> of the idea of a meme. Um, and yeah, he eats you know he eats fucking. Game stock, uh, game GameStop stock, um, yeah. and clout as kibble, and probably nudes and nudes. Oh yeah, he eats OnlyFans nudes as well. <laughs> yes, um, for sure. And uh, oh, no, that's what he drinks. Um, and <laughs> that was super gross. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we gave um, him a warning. We warned him. We did, yeah. There, there, there was a warning on this. This dog fucks. This dog fucks. Okay, this dog. I, don't even get me started on JPEG motherfucking Jones. He did fuck your mom and your sister and your dog. Um, also, R2-D2, for real, that happened in the show, guys. Oh my god. So we, we should say real quick that, uh, honestly, a lot of moments like that that happen in the show, we are improving on the phone as we do it. Mm. And that was probably the single greatest moment of my career. I don't remember who said it first. JPEG Jones should fuck R2-D2. Yeah. But someone said it, and he did. And yeah, it's oh, it's fun to talk about some of the shit that happened in this. I mean, we did resurrect Walt Disney from the dead. Yeah. We did. That was great. That, that was wonderful. Oh, uh, me, having the conversation with Mel's seriously okay where I'm like Mel's I think we're gonna we're like because Eli um Mel's husband Eli played Walt Disney on video and he's astounding in it uh but Mel's played Walt in chat and I remember going all right Mel's you got to be Walt and she was like I don't know <laughs> like I can't be Walt but Mel's <laughs> absolutely crushed it as Uncle Walt that was it was really good and I'm gonna be honest I thought I'm not gonna lie, I, because I don't know all the inner network workings of it. Mm -hmm. I didn't really thought there were like five or six people in the cast. <laughs> I didn't realize it was mostly you guys doing oh, multiple it was characters. Literally just us. Like, yeah, yes. um, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so you guys oh, yeah. played Walt on video, but that <laughs> was it. So I, let's see. I Did Ben Not Betty ever come into chat? She never did. We should. Yeah, that was the only one. Because I made like, a I, I made a burner account to be Betty that I had to turn into Walt Disney that night. Um, that's right. Because we decided that just the idea of the of, of being on Discord and seeing the message Walt Disney has entered the chat. <laughs> it was the funniest thing either of us could imagine. So yeah, we resurrected Walt Disney, which was Eli in video, and then I played Walt in chat, and I played JPEG Jones, and then Josh, you were. Name your characters. I was the 8-bit witch and the bing-bong bitch. Yeah. Yeah, so. 
Yeah. So okay, that's... I got to play my I got to play my own ex girlfriend. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Which was and she was a huge downer. <laughs> Speaking of like these characters, uh, like what was it like to play these multiple characters? Like like which ones? were your favorites to play and like do, you know um like like what were some of the challenges of like playing multiple characters Let's josh see. is an old expert i mean josh when i met josh they were playing two characters like that, that was literally the way that we met yeah and, uh, I, yeah, so I that's old hat yeah, it's it's all just a matter of just being able to hop back and forth from those accounts. It, it is it is challenging to be, especially if you're talking to yourself, um, and that is usually done seriously with me typing on two separate devices at the same time. Like, it's literally me on a phone and a computer at the same time usually. Yeah, um, the the night that Walt was there, I I used my phone and Eli's phone. We had one mm-hmm. logged in for each account, and I literally switch between phones to talk to myself. Yeah, Scott, I'll send you some pictures of what my work area looks like after this is over. <laughs> I would love that. With I'm how, not, many, how many computers it is. I'm not lying. I generally thought it was like five or six people. I didn't realize it was just you two. Like, it was so realistic, like, the conversations that, like, I, I really thought it was multiple people. I'm even more in awe of this show now after hearing oh, that. Thank, oh, you. thank you. You're welcome. I really like, actually, you know, you know, what's funny, you bring that up the first conversation, Josh, that you and I ever had that was not you playing a character um, was you asking me if the two characters that you played came across too similar. Oh, yeah, I was really worried about it because you just never know until you hear it back from the audience. And, and they totally did it. And that's exactly, Scott, how we tricked you, I mean, tricked you, I guess, but like the, the magic of doing these, yeah, these long form experiences through so much text is that you can get away with that kind of stuff and yeah. very easily. I mean, yeah. it's, there's the, uh, the suspension of disbelief, the, the level that people are willing to give our experiences is very high, which is amazing to begin with. I mean, we've yeah. we've gone to the point that we have just asked people upon signing up, hey, role play yourself in high school, and they just do it. You know, people yeah. people are into that. So that part is great. But like on our end, um, a lot of these these magic tricks and the illusion of size, it's so easy to pull off in a digital space by just having accounts. Yep. Yeah, enough accounts and you can and you can make real surprising things appear to happen at once. We we have a good friend who's doing a show who plays like nine characters in yeah. one show. Hold He's on, Shout insane. out Chris Smith. Shout out Chris Smith. You are an entire Broadway cast in <laughs> one man. Yeah, he really is. I feel hey, bad I, for him. I do too. Like literally right in this moment, I feel bad for you, Chris. That's good yeah. luck. He's pulling the chair, playing all the parts of West Side Story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's he's the he's the Jets and the Sharks. It's not good, man. <laughs> it's a real inner conflict. Um, but you uh, know, and so, and I think though, for in a lot of ways, um, for me and Mel's, especially when we start working together. So you know, we worked on much larger projects together before this with a cast of eight. You know, eight eight nine people and for us i think doing this was a lot of going back to basics and just being like Mm -hmm. okay how do we make it work and for something that is as silly uh, as um the show like fuck the mouse can be it's like these amazing learning lessons that we can take into really really serious stuff um you know that we do later on it's amazing the amount of beta testing we can do in a really ridiculous environment 
and say things like, here we go, you, uh, like, you know, original content makes mommy's pussy wet. Like, <laughs> you know, like you learn how to say that and then you realize, okay, well, how can I tell someone I'm going to kill everyone they've ever known? You know what I mean? Like, because right. all the same rules apply because it's about how you sell it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, the, these are, these are, every show that we do is both just the thing that we want to express in that moment and mm-hmm. some kind of experiment for something in the future yeah. uh, without fail every single time. And uh, I think more than anything, Fuck the Mouse was our experiment as to like what, number one, how stupid will people let something go? And the yeah. answer is forever, which is great. Forever. Very stupid. Very, very stupid. I mean, oh, it was, I keep trying to think of like the dumbest moments in the show. But I mean, I play like a sentient dog, so it's hard to narrow that down. I mean, fucking R2-D2 <laughs> is huge. But like people, that's what I'm saying though, people just bit that. They're like, oh my god, you fucked R2-D2? That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the fun of the medium, is, is being able to like create these absolutely batshit scenarios and, and, to, mm. and to just carry through with them as long as yeah. you can hold the joke and as long as we can edit video. Which is yeah, the other and- thing I should mention real quick. Uh, yeah, we also do 100% of the video and images ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, we have all the art to us. Yeah, one, or, yeah, and Mel's does a ton of our animation with JPEG Jones. I mean, all of it. I don't animate anything for that. I do uh, all that. And then um, we also, like all the media that you saw during the show was made <laughs> during the show. We, we create mm. the media as the show goes based on what it needs. So like any video you ever saw, I made it that day. Yep. That is insane, because especially in the show, like, there was a ton, I mean, he was walking around, like, at the parks, there were, like, parties, there, it, Do you remember, it, like, do you remember when Instagram JPEG Jones, Jones, do you remember when JPEG Jones played the little NES game through Epcot and then had to fight the boss, which was Figment? Yeah, it was, <laughs> that was my absolute favorite part of the show. That was so fun to make. All those sound effects were from the Atari game Haunted House. I love the sounds in that game. It's so good. And that's another thing is that, yes, I I do put all this stuff together, but it's also all done with stolen assets. And I have no shame in saying that. Um, If you know, like, the Bumblebee concept of... uh, of, of, you know, like, Bumblebee the Transformer can only communicate through songs Mm. that he can find on the radio. JPEG Jones and the 8-Bit Witch essentially can only communicate with media that's been put on the internet before, which is our mm. lore-based way of, like, stealing assets yeah. <laughs> and putting them together into something transformative. Um, yeah, because, yeah, like, in another big part of our shows ends up becoming art creation from the audience and, and yes. trying to challenge and, and get people to kind of do the exact same thing. We're not expecting anyone to do anything we're not already doing, right? You know, it's, it's one of those things. So that's always the point. A, yeah. Is our, our art style in many ways is, is it's, it's meant to be user friendly. It's something yeah. that hopefully members of the audience can uh, recreate with their own character or their own ideas mm. or within yeah. the tasks that we give. Yep, we always um, try to give the exact apps that we use and, and recommend mm-hmm. how to screen record off of YouTube. Um, because fuck the mouse, am I right? Fuck the mouse, like <laughs> I fuck them. I will steal as many assets from Walt Disney as I want. I'm no, fucking Walt Disney's ghost. Yeah, <laughs> that was actually one of my favorite um, parts of the show was creating these different these different kinds of medias and like these memes and these you know, these glitched photos and like TikTok videos and stuff. That I'll go ahead and say, as I know some of y'all follow me on TikTok, you will never. 
because uh, like I said, it really, it really pushed me past my comfort zone. And you know, like it, 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 in the show, I got to do stuff that only like my closest friends would like get, like get to see kind of like that silly, stupid like and dance. Like, <laughs> um, oh. I don't know what you're talking about. I've never what are we talking about? about? I love that for you. Me too. <laughs> yes, um, I had to do like th- there were things that I had to do, and I'll, I'll finally, I'll, I will definitely talk about them. I, I had to do like a cat dance. Like, <laughs> if you're on TikTok, you know the one. Um, I had to do that. I had to basically like walk a runway as full out as I could, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I had to make like multiple memes. Uh, that some were just not funny, but I was really trying my hardest. I'm not gonna lie. I said <laughs> something like this is so stupid, but it's the best I can do with the mental capacity I have right now. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what it's all about because I, I have screenshots, and someday I might just post these on my Twitter because it's literally one of the proudest moments of my life. Um, at the at at the at the finale of this show. Oh so, yes. So all, all of this culminated in our um eight bit coven murdering mickey um we, we killed him yeah we we killed him with a hex we fucking melted and stretched him out and it was great um but in uh where was i going with this what was i talking I knew. about i knew oh uh, i don't uh, know the, it was, the, it's the, just the take- like the show i don't know what turn it's the take the takeover the takeover oh shit the takeover yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. um the final task of all of this, the way that we collectively cast the hex onto Mickey Mouse, was having the entire audience create. What, what did we do? Like six memes or something? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. some people went way over that. It was really wild. Yes, some people made like twice as many. But basically, asking people to make six uh, highly offensive Disney memes and put them put them in their in their camera roll and wait. And at the signal. Uh, the whole audience posted all of these memes using the exact same hashtags on Instagram at the same time, leading to a basically five-minute window where if you searched the phrase Walt Disney World on Instagram, all you would see were these really awful memes made by us and our audience. Things like Mickey Mouse wants to kill my kids and like shit like that. It, um, it was really amazing when it happened. I was impressed because we did. We took over um, WDW, uh, Disney Magic. It was like five or six hashtags all got taken yeah, over once. All, all, all those Disney vacation hashtags, just, just for a few moments, were entirely topped by um, our, our group content creation. And in the grand scheme of things, I think that's kind of amazing. I think for, for, for the weird niche stuff that we do, taking over something that big for any length of time is impressive. And I think for anybody who is offended by it, I just want to say that fast passes are not back yet, and you have to wear masks indoors. Good night, Karen. Ooh, good night, Karen. <laughs> Excuse me, like 400 people's heads explode. Oh, good. Except I don't, I don't have that many people who even listen to this show, but that's okay. It's like fucking scammers out there right now. That if you're like that, you're probably not going to like my show. <laughs> we don't like those types around here. But I mean, it, it you know, it was it was pretty offensive. But um, offensive is good a lot of the time. And yeah. also Instagram is not for children. So I don't give a fuck. 
Yeah. Uh, if that, anyone... is a, that is a statement. I will agree with you. Like, I know a lot of people know I work with kids, so I'm going to say this. Y'all need to be watching, and since I already said it once, I'm going to say it again. Y'all need to be watching your fucking kids on the internet, because they are doing things they should not be doing at this moment. And I'm telling you right now, they are talking to people they shouldn't be talking to, they're looking at things they shouldn't be looking at, and they're going way beyond what you think they're doing. If they're, so, probably, talking, they're, they're probably uh, listening to this podcast. And that's a problem. Like, if your if your kids are talking to anyone like me and Josh, then you've got a huge problem on your hands. <laughs> huge um, problem. And you really should be supervising them. But I do feel like that's a nice time to mention that this was an age restricted experience. Yeah, we it was help that shit. It was twenty. Was or was this show twenty one and up? Yeah, well, I thought this yeah. one was eighteen. It might have been eighteen. The typical shows. Other, yeah, are twenty one and up. Yeah, most most of our shows are twenty one plus, just so that there's no wiggle room people trying to squeeze their way in you know fully developed adults and all that it's no shame on an 18 to 21 year old it's mostly an insurance policy for us yeah uh because i don't want to hang out with children they make me feel very uncomfortable so (laughs) that 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 is something i do want to like just like you guys read it these shows are fully done uh like produced by and participated in by like consenting people of adult age so if you're like how could you do this you know what about kids kids shouldn't be doing this and if your kid was doing this then you should have been watching like i just said so yeah yeah and also we would never take your brat um no oh my god no we don't want them please don't no but uh it it, it was nice sometimes we have to do really rigorous and interview processes with people before our shows fuck the mouse was a huge huge relief in that regard because it was just hey you want to come have fun and talk about pussy sometimes yeah and, and and i'll tell you what they wanted to they really did yeah every immersive show is kind of horny but you just don't really expect the disney one to get as horny as it does that that was true there were people saying some things i was like do y'all need to go to like a private Yeah, J- that was uh, there you go. That was also- JPEG Jones having children. That was uh, totally improv the night of. We, I just said, Mel, is you ready for We had never discussed that at any point in the past. I just look down at my phone and I see the message, What about your kids, JPEG? And I'm like, All right, JPEG, I got kids now. Let's go. <laughs> Like that's that's a that's a that's definitely a big trend in our work is is like we do definitely go in with you know an overall plan and a daily plan but those moments like that those tend to come completely out of one of our apps especially yeah. in the funny shows I mean in the serious stuff is is a lot more deliberative but in something like this that was one of my favorite moments of all time and then getting to Photoshop all the seven children together made me really happy oh having um, you guys name name the kids was the greatest moment it was one of the greatest <laughs> moments of my whole life was the entire audience naming JPEG Jones's puppies um, it was wonderful it made me so happy um, and then and then just just the audience um, passing blunts and doing shots with Walt Disney in chat was my other favorite moment of the whole show and like yeah i i legitimately was on the phone with josh that night and i was like listen i appreciate you want me to play walt disney in chat but it feels wrong i was like it i'm like i'm like i don't 
I, you know, I, I hate when people in <clears throat> the theme park community use the straw man argument of like, oh, Walt would hate this. Oh, Walt always wanted progress. Like, we don't fucking know. Okay, he's he's gone. He's passed. Yeah, we don't yeah, know yeah. what he wanted. We cannot use his opinions from another time to justify or negate anything going on. I think that's complete yeah. false arguments. Like, I don't want to step in and play Walt Disney because I, I don't want to put myself into that position. But then I thought about how funny it is for Walt Disney to be in a Discord chat. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like oh shit. And then I, I think I remember saying to Josh, I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. If there's anyone who's qualified to pretend to be the ghost of Walt Disney, it's fucking me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and then I made the account and I'm like, I'm like, fuck this. There's no reason I can't do this. Like, and, and, and I did. And it was really funny. And it's really quite satisfying to be a 25 year old woman who can say she played Walt Disney. <laughs> and you killed it way better than Tom Hanks. Ugh. He was cute. He didn't look like him, though. I did. I used one of Walt's real pictures as my profile picture. Dead ringer. <laughs> Dead ringer. Exactly the same. <laughs> but for real, for real, Eli pulls off a really good young Walt Disney, and I'm very proud of him. He had to. <laughs> he smoked a half a pack of Newports to film that. <laughs> Uh, we're getting ready to film and he like has to go out to the gas station because we just again josh and i are writing the script for this and we're like it'd be really funny if walt disney has to smoke newports um, <laughs> and like it, and, and it's so funny to show the differences in ways that we work so me and josh are like oh man eli should do a funny voice and smoke Newports. And Eli is like researching what cigarettes Walt smoked and where to get them and like practicing doing a dead on imitation. And I'm like, no, 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 Eli, nix all the work you've done all week. Imitate my father and do that as the character. And that's, that's what he did. The, the voice that Eli used for Walt Disney is the voice that he uses to like, he imitates people out of love. It's not like, but that's the, the way he imitates my dad. And it was so fucking funny. And he's just burning through these Newports like it's nobody's business. And he doesn't smoke. My husband doesn't smoke, but he'll do anything for art. And it was just the weirdest day ever in our kitchen. It really was. I was just on our kitchen wall. We did that standing in the fucking, right next to the stove. Yeah. Um. Uh, since we're coming to kind of like the halfway point of the show, because we do have another segment of the show. Surprise! It's a double show. I bet you weren't expecting that. It's a reveal. Under a reveal. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, I do want to end with a couple questions before we hop into our what would you do section of the, the show. And um, the first question I want to ask is um, uh, who like, uh, if somebody is interested after hearing the the experience of Fuck the Mouse, they're interested in doing one of your future um, immersive shows, like, who, what kind of audience would you recommend um, maybe participate in a show like that? Let's see, um, people with really open minds who want to be part of a story, have an interest in some amount of role-playing, and people who just want to have a good time, depending on what it is. We do some really dark stuff sometimes, so be careful, guys. Yeah, we um, do. The <laughs> oh, excuse me. Oh, allergies. Um, yeah, it's th this is, you know, it's hard to say if this is an owl eye or not, because we're almost to the point where we've done as many comedies as we have horror. Yeah, and we're about to do yet another one, yeah. We are about to do another comedy coming up in October. Um, I think the people who find the most joy in this stuff, because when I did... 
my very first immersive show. It was Josh's show back at the very, very, it was literally the weekend that I was furloughed from my job. So the very beginning of the pandemic. Um, and we, uh, I had never done anything of the sort. I had done like some light Facebook role playing in fucking middle school, but never, never anything that would have constituted me jumping into She's done a- nothing of the sort. <laughs> Nothing of the sort. But I, I, I hadn't done anything really like that, and um, I found it extremely easy to slip into. Um, I think at the end of the day, this is another form of home entertainment. Um, this is not a replacement for going to a theme park or going to a live immersive experience or going to a live extreme haunt or anything. It's it's not a replacement. It's a companion, just like the television. <laughs> did not replace the Broadway show, nor will this replace any other form of entertainment, but it is uh, very appealing for people who want interactive entertainment at home and miss that kind of experience in a public place where it may not be safe, where you just don't fucking feel like going out. <laughs> like, maybe you just yeah. don't want to do stuff outside. Yeah. You can do stuff inside. We'll help you. Yeah. Well, that is wonderful. And that, I mean, I, I was really excited to partake in a show like this with it being something a little different for for me you know like I I, I fit that category of I'm a pretty open-minded person and I I enjoy like role-playing coming up with characters and stuff like that um because you know I'm just a big old gay theater nerd like there's nothing else <laughs> like if you want to <laughs> describe me that's it and so um I really enjoy doing the show, so I just wanted to get that out for anybody who may be interested, but I know that sometimes some of the shows can be more, a bit more intense than Fuck the Mouse was, and so I wanted to uh, more ask you two as the experts of uh, who you thought would be. Uh, yeah, at the, end, at the end of the day, it's really much more about if you're interested in the show itself rather than the format. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if, I mean, there, there are... It kind of spans the gamut of genres. I mean, really, the only like major genre I've never seen represented as an immersive is action. But like, also, how do you do that through text? So it's, yeah. that's kind of valid. But um, horror, comedy, drama, slice of life. Like I said, it's it's really about um, just liking the content, and you will adjust to the format. Yeah, it'll take a little bit of time, but yeah, most people I think that if they give it a, a chance and try it, um, especially uh, people who like to read. I think that's another one. People who yeah. love a good book, people who find themselves getting lost in movies and wish that, that makes they a were. Lot of sense. Um, people who write fan fiction. Um, yeah. You know, people who are really, really young at heart and want to play. And that's there you go. People who want to play, um, play in like a such a childlike way in many different adult environments. Um, this is this is your chance to really come and be a kid if you really want to be. Yeah, it's it's really it's fun because with Fuck the Mouse we got to do a lot of silly stuff, even with a. Uh, you know the adult language and references. It was it was very silly and, and childlike, and then pretty wholesome. I, I like to think we're pretty wholesome. It really actually. is. It is very wholesome. And then you know, on the other end of the spectrum, we produced a, a very very emotionally dark and intense show for a year. Um, but they all yeah. function on a lot of the same basis of providing a not just a story to follow, but a universe to exist within. Mm -hmm. um, with with fully fledged lore and characters, things that we love. I know we love lore, especially, um, and oh, yeah. uh, and 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 tasks that will hopefully push people outside their comfort zone. Whether that's through something you know vaguely horrific or 
something more fun like fuck the mouse making memes and doing dances and things like that at the end of the day it's all there to artistically challenge people but in like a pleasant consumable way it does make me wish we had had scott rap during the last show though really does oh we should (laughs) have the other april jones show we did a rap that was pretty good jpeg jones produced a music video with a bunch of bitches it was great it was really good (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, honestly, those white ladies could rap. Shout out to the white ladies. You know who you are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, it. And and not to uh, not not to flip the script on you, Scott, but you were also a wonderful participant. Um, you've yeah. said so many nice things about us, but you yeah. were so enthusiastic for for a newbie. Unbelievably yeah. enthusiastic and involved, and it made me so happy every time you came into chat. So. Oh yes. <laughs> I really wanted to try to give it my all, or or at least, or at, at least the most I felt I could give with it being my first show, because I also was like taking a little step back, just you know, just to like watch and figure it out, mm-hmm. kind of see what it was like, um, you know, as you do. And I, I I really enjoyed participating. It 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 really was something that, like I said, as silly as as it may sound to some people. It really kind of felt like a, a freeing kind of experience because only really like my closest friends kind of get to see the side that I put out in that show mm-hmm. um, because I am a lot of stuff I do put out, although it is me and myself and, uh, you know, who I am, I do limit myself on some of the things I say and do and represent and post. Right. Uh, yeah. At, under kind of like this dyslexic name so being able to do something where i really got to let down my guard and try something like that was really really fun um it was exciting and you know it, if i ever get to do a show like fuck the mouse again i could see myself potentially probably giving it like uh, absolutely 100 percent and just really letting go with it we now should uh, we, we, we should we should talk about hellavision that <laughs> yes yeah you should probably do television with us i yeah. did read the post about it and i was pretty interested so i'm not gonna lie we can't say what it is yet but it's gonna be no. something very different yeah it will <laughs> and i will say that that picture that i posted on on twitter scott with the with the post about it josh drew that josh was doing yeah. all the art for television which is really that was cool wonderful thank you You're yeah you'll be able to see mel says there you go sandra the nicest person on earth yeah. Oh my gosh, I love that. <laughs> um, and then I guess my last question of this this segment of our show is, um, we talked about it throughout the, the discussion, but uh, last kind of question would be, uh, what other kind of shows do you offer? Because um, I know you do comedy, I know you, I know you do some more, but like, if you were to kind of like, maybe talk about like, or give examples of maybe like past shows oh. or stuff to give an example like what kind of shows uh, do you offer ah. <laughs> <laughs> well you know i mean if you want to go all the way for this being the dark episode we can <laughs> mm-hmm. um, if, oh genre wise i guess well let's so like a way to like yeah reduce so, it i guess I think Mel, me and Mel's and I don't want to talk to Mel's i know what i like to i like to work with really heavy emotion so a lot of the stuff I do, I've done, I did a show, like, I mean, there's, yeah, the show I don't want to do this anymore. Um, the audience member, it's a single participant and one actor, that actor is me. Um, and you literally meet someone a week before they commit suicide. 
and live their last week with them. Um, you know, so like we, I've done stuff like that. I'm, I play a clown sometimes. Um, so like we try to not pigeonhole ourselves into one direct like you know, like just do horror because that would be so boring. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it always comes to the whimsy of whatever I think is on either of me or Mel's minds when it comes to writing a show. And I mean, although I'll write a show about anything, um, or you know, but we even you know, like fuck the mouse. Like it ended up being a show about kind of like stuff that was happening in my life. You know, um, so we just use those different you know formats and styles to frame anything. I mean, Mel's has done shows that we hear. I'll let you talk about it, Mel's. Your shows are Mel's is my yeah. favorite creator. Aw, thank you. You're my favorite creator. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I tend to do things um, very heavily. It's weird. I tend to come up with stories based on aesthetics. Um, thing, things that visually interest me at any point in time. I'm a very visually driven person. Audio as well. Um, uh, Twin Knives has produced um, two shows that were non-collaborative, um, which were wildly different from one another. Uh, the first one was Love Locked, which was a, um, I would say, drama, thriller, romance uh, story about a, um, a, a kidnapper uh, taking their hostage through time. And you as the audience member um, trying to unravel the mystery as to what is going on as you maintain communication with this person very much not of your time um and then we did a show uh, right before we got married called don't go to school tomorrow where uh the audience was asked to uh essentially portray a group of high school students who were invited to a discord server run by two young men who have an active plan to shoot up their high school um and attempt to convince them to maybe change or perhaps egg them on whatever it was the audience wanted to do in the moment so you know sort of these are the kinds of stories we like to tell and like like josh said none of this stuff can really get thrown into one jar except um high drama <laughs> I yeah guess high drama really, yeah really consistent across mm -hmm. all of them we love uh we we love a good dramatic story with big twists and turns and mm -hmm. you know yeah. um High concept, often mild execution, which is always a nice, nice vibe. <laughs> yeah, and anything that provokes big emotional response, though, like that's for mm -hmm. me is like, I mean, even in Eight Bit Witch, we do that, you know. It may yeah. have been through um, like the sense of belonging. Like, I'll never forget the night we all went to the club and then we cuddle, puddled, and watched cartoons. I'm not going to forget that. No, it was, you know? it was super cute. Yeah, that and that, you know, how in in some of our shows we go for. Uh, maybe it's radical distress or sadness. Yeah. There's, also, there's a huge throughput of radical acceptance in every project mm -hmm. either of us have ever, ever worked on. That yeah. is absolutely the thread. Yeah. And like if we look at what we do is it's like a, a safe place to experience emotions that you might not be able to experience safely another place. Mm hmm or find yourself in a position that you definitely wouldn't find yourself in. Um, and so like whatever concept that ends up wrapping itself around the mechanic to make that work is what we'll do shows about. Um, but yeah, we've really, really leaned towards a lot lighter stuff now, much lighter. Yeah, we um, had a really dark beginning. <laughs> I think that's yeah. Why. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we spent over a year in a death cult that fed off of other people's trauma that caused us to, you know, also kill be college students and yeah, traumatized. Yeah. I mean, it was like, oh, you know, we, we were a death cult for a year. Yeah, and it, it was really cool, and that that was like, I'm, I, I love that project, but it, it was very, very taxing. And then mm -hmm. we mm -hmm. essentially. <laughs> 
as we closed that show, which ran for a long time, was very intense. I mean, we put like over a hundred people through it. It was very, yeah. you know, it, that that was like an overwhelming experience for the length of time that it happened. Mm. And then we immediately, during while that was still going on, we discovered Eight Bit Witch and JPEG Jones through a mutual uh, multi coastal acid trip. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> which is a completely true story yeah. um and uh we sort of started leaning into you know we we knew that we were funny together and we started leaning into the idea well maybe maybe we don't have to just really upset people to have a good time yeah um and i think that w- that was a massively uh revealing moment is when we we started doing those characters and some other people's projects is like oh we we can lighten up and still uh, evoke a lot of the same big emotional response and it's not to say it's going to stay that way forever like we both love really really dark things but you know yeah i think to kind of offset a year of doing the circle we're sort of doing like six months to a year of of slightly more light-hearted things to extremely more light-hearted things yeah it, variety it, baby yeah it's well, that's what i'm kind of he- hearing is like you know it's kind of it's kind of like an ebb and flow of what emotions you're wanting to allow people to experience in like a safe way depending on the show like well it's, and at yeah. the end of the day it's it's all selfish it's what we want to experience at that time <laughs> yeah oh yeah like uh... and that's totally fair yeah um it's well, it's no stretch to say that you if 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 someone by some miracle and this person doesn't exist i'm the only person who can actually say this but if someone existed who had done every project that Josh and I have collaboratively worked on from the beginning to now, they would know more about us than anyone should ever know. Ever know, yeah. I won't talk to some people who have done some of my shows anymore. Absolutely, same. I feel so <laughs> weird with a lot of people who did Don't Go to School tomorrow. I'm like, I said things around you that I wish I, I didn't say. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> they're going to be listening. Sorry, guys. Uh, we love you all. It's just it's We do now. love you. It is weird. <laughs> we, st- we still love you guys. Personal boundaries are healthy. Weird. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yes, yes. yes. Bound- boundaries, that's a whole other immersive conversation for another day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll just leave that at that. Personal <laughs> boundaries are healthy. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, but <clears throat> thank you guys for chatting with me about uh, the show and allowing me to experience it. It was so much fun to do this, you know, this different kind of art form. And to experience it, and I love hearing about like the creative process of the not only Fuck the Mouse but multiple other shows, and like it was a it was a really great time. So thank you guys for talking to me about that. Um, <clears throat> but with that being said, let's head into our last little segment of the show, and this is where we get into the traditional dyslexic episode. It is a what would you do episode, and uh, <laughs> and uh, in this small little segment, um, we'll call it like a bite size. What would you do episode? I asked um, both of my guests, uh, since we are all theme park fans, and uh, uh, I asked my guests, uh, what would you do if you could pick one or two unbuilt uh, Disney-based theme park attractions? uh, What 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 would you uh, have put through in fruition? Like in fruition, like what would what what would you do if you could say you need to do this concept now because I want it and. that was the question. And so, you know, let's hear some of these responses. So, Miles, what would you do if you were um, able to build one or two of those unbuilt Disney parks attractions? 
Oh boy. Um, okay. So literally the first thing that comes to mind is, <laughs> I don't know if anybody will remember this because I thought I imagined it for a long time, but at one point, uh, they announced a, a Rapunzel spinner ride yes. and it, it was like a nightmare of her hair holding up these little lanterns that were like spit. It was, it kind of looked like an octopus, like a carnival ride octopus, but made what? out of Rapunzel. This, I, I will send you the picture oh, of Discord. Yeah, this is a real fuel. piece, a real piece of concept art that if I'm not mistaken, was in like a like a package of concept art at D23 at some point, came up once, never came up again. Ever. I've it was, never heard of this. I will oh, send you I will send you the art. It is one of the weirdest things I've ever fucking seen. Yeah, luckily they were able to repurpose it in some hentai cartoons. It's <laughs> exactly what it looks oh, like. It's really, it's like it's like the creepy harmonious barge, but worse. You're riding on it. Um, oh yeah, I'll say that. And y'all can get mad at me. I'm gonna say y'all can get mad at me. I am fine with the harmonious barge. I'm sure the show's gonna be great. Don't yell at me. But the way the arms move, something about it just makes me like. It just gives me this icky feeling. Oh, I'm, I'm <laughs> I think not it's, like, fine with like it. a spider. I'm, like, I'm not Ooh. fine with it. You can bring the hate to me if you're not going to bring it to Scott. Fuck that barge. It's ugly as yeah. shit. It's useless. <laughs> uh, Disney supposedly learned 30 years ago that like projection, water projection screens need to come from below and that anything coming from above leaves you with ugly infrastructure. They learned this in the fucking 80s. They have unlearned it in 2021. <laughs> Suck my dick, mouse. Oh, shots fired, mouse. Shots fired, mouse. Um, okay, but other than the Rapunzel spinner, <laughs> the, um, the there there are two things that distinctly pop into mind. Two others: um, uh, the the Mary Poppins ride that was announced for for the UK Pavilion at Epcot. I am and so pissed off about this. <laughs> Me too. I like have zero interest in the Poppins Returns universe, but I would have really liked to see a proper Mary Poppins attraction. Me. Too. And like we don't even know what it was gonna be. It didn't even no. make it far enough for us to know what it was gonna be. No, all we ever heard was Mary Poppins attraction, and like that was enough to get me hyped because mm -hmm. I love that bitch. That's one of my favorite Disney movies of all time. She's probably um, perfect in every way. It, it really <laughs> fucking is. But oh the my gosh, number Mary Poppins would be the best drag race guest uh, or guest judge. Oh, that would be amazing. Mary Poppins on RuPaul's Drag Race. All-Stars. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, honey. She'd be on All-Stars. She'd be on, like, the All-Star All-Stars, the one that they just announced. She would. She'd be on, like, All Winners. <laughs> that that rumored All Winners season. That's where Mary Poppins would be. Exactly. <laughs> and she would win. She would. Like, she, she wouldn't even be competing. She would just win. Yeah, she would show up to judge and get the crown and the $100,000, and then she'd fly away with her umbrella. <laughs> Never to return again, and then Bob the Drag Queen's just like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god and then rupaul is like that's show business baby and the camera pans away and it ends yeah it just all fades to black and bianca dario's like well okay RuPaul i'm gonna was, leave then rupaul was never seen again man um okay but one more i have one other one other attraction i want to bring up this this is the main one that i wanted to actually talk about um i don't know if, if either of y'all have heard of uh candy mountain yes <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. Okay, so pre uh, pre Thunder Mountain, there was a concept for Magic Kingdom called Candy Mountain. Um, rumored that it would have had like a potentially a Wizard of Oz boat ride inside of it. There were a oh. lot of 
speculations about what could have really been in there. Um, but it was like it was a giant fucking pink mountain piled up with candy that would have been in fantasy land. Sort of, I, I think in some ways it was meant to be the, uh, the 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 visual interpretation of a Matterhorn for Florida, just a big you know big light colored structure mountain structure in uh, fantasy land. But it, the art looks really cool that is out there. I had that um, Imagineering Disney Mountains book as a kid, and it had like a whole multi page spread to it, and I was like, wow. I really, wish really fuck, I really wish they fucking <laughs> built that. That looks great. And you know, it's it's like 40 years later and they still haven't fucking built it. So I don't think they're going to. I think yeah, we're fucked on candy at this point. Honestly, if they built it, I just hear like a bunch of millennials walking through me like, it's Candy Mountain. Charlie, it's Candy Mountain. <laughs> and then I'd be like, I never want to ride this ride just because people would say that. It'll be on all the Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point i didn't even really put two and two together and uh, now i retract my whole statement and i just hope they build a rapunzel spinner from hell okay. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm just kidding I, 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 I do think it would have been a really like fun and beautiful attraction um whatever it was gonna be <laughs> but it was pretty yeah, and I guess I'll kind of just throw into the pile one more since it just popped into my head. But um, the walkthrough concepts for the Haunted Mansion, yeah, I, do, yeah. I do still really wish that Disney had made a uh, an American like a walkthrough haunted attraction. That that mm -hmm. really would have would have done my soul good. But you know, we'll really never get that nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So mine are. One super basic, and I'll get to that, and that's my love letter to Disney. But I, I, I wish that Superstar Limo had been the original planned version and not the garbage that was... I mean, it's a nightmare. But yeah. I think an, an original Superstar Limo with the chase scene, um, regardless of it being offensive, and the paparazzi, like, that's a ride I would go ride. And I think it's a huge bummer that, that it got pushed uh, down so far. Um, I, I know that's a weird one, but the big one for me is the unrealized idea of uh, Walt's plan for the original Mickey Mouse Park. Um, I think it's adorable. I think it's quaint. I think it's the opposite of what Disney is now. And I still, in many ways, believe that it would be really amazing to get a vintage Mickey Mouse Park with more of the vintage rides. And th that would be my Disney dream. That'd be cute, yeah. I, 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 I'm not gonna lie, I kind of forgot about that concept, but then when you when you start talking about it, I was like, oh yeah, I, did, I do remember like, reading about that and watch some videos on it. Yeah, that would have been really fun. But Super Starlingo, for sure. I mm. 100% agree with you, but it would have been, it would have been every, like, it would have taken everything I hate about Rock and Roller Coaster and erased it and make me love that ride. Mm -hmm. But I totally understand why they didn't do it. I, I mm. get it. You know, RIP Princess Die. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> it, 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 it would have been a fantastic attraction. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I would specifically like the Princess Die version of the ride. Yeah, it's called Die Princess Die. I've seen that. No. Yeah. And then and then you you as the person on the ride, you're you're playing Princess Die. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah. Oh man. You... The animatronic is really good. <laughs> Yo, what if we repurpose the Ellen animatronic into Princess Die? I mean, they already did Hillary and Trump, so... 
Oh no. Yeah, exactly. I, I, yeah probably. Have, did you see the Biden? Yes. Did you see the redone Trump? No. Did they change him? <laughs> they changed him. They redid his face to where he actually looks like him now. It's really funny that they did that after he's out of office. I kind of yeah. love that. I do too. Well, he, he probably paid for it. Like, I need plastic surgery on my animatronic. <laughs> I need the best Imagineers, the smartest Imagineers to work on my face. <laughs> bring me the cream of the crop. Bring me your Tony Baxter's, your Joe Rhodes to fix my face. <laughs> I love that. I can't. I can't. Oh, no yeah. <laughs> um. No, those are great, great picks. Um, for me, if if I could do this, I have like I have like five, but I'm not gonna go in depth of what each one is. I'm just gonna kind of name them. So first one is t- uh, I would love Tony Baxter's. Like my top one would be Discovery Bay. Tony Baxter's concept mm-hmm. for Discovery oh. Bay mm-hmm. with like the giant blimps mm-hmm. and the steampunk style rides and yeah. you know like. Um, I just, I really just love that concept, and it would just fit so well into a Disney park. I mean, like mm-hmm. if you look at Disneyland Paris; it it has Discovery Bay elements, mm-hmm. and their Tomorrowland is probably my favorite Tomorrowland. Um, or discover well, theirs is Discovery Bay, but like it, it, um, it 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 fit, mm-hmm. and have that in like a domestic U.S. park would have been amazing. But I agree, you know. Disney makes poor decisions sometimes. <laughs> Most of the time, in my opinion. I agree. <laughs> um, my next one would have been uh, the replacement for the submarine voyage at Disneyland. It was going to be the Atlantis uh, oh, submarine the- voyage. <laughs> and I would one. have loved it. But, uh, you know, Atlantis didn't do great in theaters, which I'm going to go ahead and say this. I do not understand how that movie did not do good. Um, I mean, I kind of do, but like, I, I get it because people were like, well, that's weird. That's not Disney, but it is such a good movie that I like, it would have made an amazing attraction. I could not agree more. I think like the, the sub concept is already great that Disney did like, yes, simulating being underwater. People love that. It's magical. Mm-hmm. It's otherworldly. Take that, take that and modernize it and make it a, 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 an action thrill ride. Now, right there, there is your fucking ride that's going to benefit from like your, your, you know, Islands of Adventure Spider-Man-esque ride systems, your, your moving simulators, you know, your fucking Indiana Jones mm-hmm. uh, ride bases. It's, yeah, exactly. Like, like passage, you like really- flying on those things in Atlantis. That would be amazing. Yeah, like there's really a lot of things that could have been done with that concept. It, it is such a bummer. And just that there's no submarine ride at all now in Florida is heartbreaking. I cannot tell you. Gr- so growing up, I was going to Disney like three or four times a week with my dad. I was homeschooled. I was very I was very lucky. Mm. And we would always, you know, go to Fantasyland. I was a very young kid. I was five, six, seven years old. And the the walls were up across um 20,000 leagues uh, my entire lifetime. I think the entire time I've been on Earth, yeah. it's been closed. Um, but we would always walk up to the wall, me and my dad, and he would he would just kind of wistfully sigh and look mm. it up and down and kind of try to explain to me again, like, what was behind there and this vague hope that maybe someday it'll reopen. 
And then I remember that horribly sad day when there was construction going on behind that wall, which meant that they were filling it in and putting fucking Pooh's body spot in it. And just, <laughs> uh, it was really sad. I really, I think losing that, we lost the most visually interesting attraction in all of Magic Kingdom. There, I said it. I agree. It. I agree. I fucking said it. Nothing looks as interesting. You know what? The monorail. The monorail is probably as visually exciting. And it's a form of transportation. It's not even a fucking ride. Right. Fight me. Like, it was so beautiful. Where is our... Mm. And then the Nemo one, I think, sucks. I'm sick of Disney. Uh, say They're like, water? Let's put Nemo in it. They, they literally can't control themselves. Like... Right. I'm, like, I'm surprised they didn't like buy this one dolphin. Movies. Yeah, there's other fucking water. I literally would have rather them fucking shoehorned Little Mermaid into the submarine ride at Disneyland. It would have been so right. much better. Mm. It would have made more sense. Land, so it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It totally could have been a transition. Right. Atlantis would have been that perfect transition between Fantasy mm -hmm. and Tomorrow, but you know, whatever. <laughs> whatever. I really want to see fucking Kita's midriff, but whatever. <laughs> I love Kita. She is fantastic. She's um, so hot. She is. <laughs> uh, my next one would have been Maroon Studios, the like Roger Rabbit area. Oh, Hollywood yeah. Studios. Yeah. Hollywood Studios. Um, I would have loved to have that. It would have been in like the Rock and Roller Coaster area, which is good because I hate Rock and Roller Coaster with a passion. Um, and like roller coasters are my thing, but I hate rock and roller coasters. <laughs> well, they make you listen to Aerosmith. I mean, that's not great. That and then it's just not a good ride, and people act like it's like the best roller coaster. And I'm like, it's really not. Hey, look at Steven Tyler's hat. That's what the guy says, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I can love I that love part. That. <laughs> I would have loved to do to see Roger Rabbit in the parks again. Yeah. And you know, get that get that trolley car simulator through Toontown, get that Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin, that baby Herman's baby carriage roller coaster, like all that would have just been amazing. Mm. And um it really would have added something that Hollywood Studio needs or needed until I guess Toy Story Land opened, which was kind of like a more family friendly style area. Um, well, and they've always severely lacked a mascot as well. And I, I even rem I remember one of the first times I ever saw Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and then my dad pointing out what few uh, Easter eggs are in the park based on the movie, and right. and 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 the pieces clicking in my little, you know, my little baby head. I'm like, huh, this all goes together. Why is Roger Rabbit not like the mascot? Why is Roger Rabbit not the figment of Hollywood Studios? To me, that is like match made in heaven pure logic and it, it just never happened and it doesn't make any sense because even though who framed roger rabbit was not significantly franchised it was it was very popular when it came out like that was a, that was a blockbuster oh. it was not some underground movie yeah and yeah jessica became the icon of pleasure island even yeah it's weird it's weird man it's weird so like i just don't i don't I don't know why they didn't capitalize on that more, and I think it could have helped keep Roger Rabbit relevant into the 2000s, the 2010s, whatever. Like it yeah, really, I agree. Big missed opportunity. I also just think the the Florida parks could use a uh, uh, cartoon spin. It looks fun. Mm -hmm. I agree. Or Toontown once spin, whatever the fuck it's called. Well, once they lost Toontown Fair, I feel like it kind of it. Uh, I feel like this kind of essence 
that you know, this very like quintessential Disney thing, which is like Toontown, Toontown Fair, like silly cartoons, uh, Mickey, Minnie, all that. I feel like that was gone until we got Runaway Railway, which I personally enjoy. I haven't written it yet, but I've watched it many times and I enjoy it. Um, I know a lot of people hate it because Great Move Ride. I don't. I don't think it makes sense where it is either. I agree with you guys. It doesn't make any sense. But, but the ride is fine. I mean, I like isolated, it. isolated from its location, I think it's cute enough. I agree. Like, if we had a Toontown at, you know, the the Florida parks, it would be fantastic there. Um, them putting it in Toontown at Disneyland is going to fully, like, really, really revive that that area. And I'm excited for that. Um, and then, obviously, I have to include Beastly Kingdom and Animal Kingdom. Oh, that yeah. Yeah. That boat ride, that unicorn mythical creature like Hedge Maze, the Dragon Coaster. I know we got um, Lost Continent and at IOA, which was very similar, but like Beastly Kingdom would have just been okay. But also, Big Thick Tea, Uh, you could hand the exact same concepts to Universal and Disney, and one of them is going to produce a better version of the concept and it's it's disney like (laughs) you you can say until you're fucking blue in the face that they would have just built dueling dragons at animal kingdom and i will laugh at you because that is not not what would have happened no it would have been a fully immersive attraction probably with a huge fire breathing animatronic like Mm -hmm. yeah it 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 would have been i i absolutely loved dueling dragons and there's still like a like a little hole in my heart Shaped Same. like the two, shaped like the two loops that were always in all the promotionals. But um, like it, it, I, we will never actually know what Disney would have done with the idea of a dragon roller coaster. We only got you know the trendy '90s Universal version, which is fine. It was fun. It was really cool for what it was. But I, I think it's a huge misconception that they just like somehow built pieces of Beastly Kingdom at. Universal. Universal does not have the yeah. capacity to build the kind of stuff that Disney had planned. And that's not shade, it's just truth. Yeah, it just is what it is. It, they did a fantastic job with what they did create. Um, it just, it what Disney would have done with that concept because it was made for them in the first place. Especially back kind of then. Yes. Like, I, think, I think a lot of Universal fanboys forget that when Universal opened, it was small. And uh, honestly, was a fledgling, barely theme park throughout most of the early 2000s. Like, mm-hmm. Horror, Night, Horror Nights has been groovy forever. I agree with that. But, like, I went to Universal in fucking 2005. Okay, it was not glamorous. Like, it, it, it barely existed. So, right. you know, it was, they, they, they never could have, at the time, they just didn't have the means to really do what was probably intended with the Dueling Dragons idea. Yeah, Beastly would have been so too. cool. It, wasn't it bad? Yeah, it, well, I, I was like, I went in like 2003, I don't remember what year I went to, and I spent ma- the majority of my day trying to get cast on Slime Time Live. I didn't even ride any rides. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you get on Slime Time Live? I did not. I didn't even see the taping. Oh, oh my god, that's it. We're going to put on a, an immersive version of Slime Time Live just for you, buddy. Do not play with me like that. <laughs> my 21st birthday, we played a full scale version of Double Dare. Because I oh. love game shows and reality <laughs> Oh my god, do you think that uh, Eli can do a Mark Summers? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> Alright, it's on. 100%. Oh my gosh, I'm so ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, then- we could definitely do that. 
I'm telling y'all, do not play with me like <laughs> Girl, like, we have so many weird experiences just planned for each other and, like, weird shit where we're gonna, you know, waterboard our friends. Like, yeah. we, can, we, we, can, we can do a wholesome game show for you. <laughs> It but goes also, dark so fast. if you would like us to waterboard you with slime, yeah, slime oh boarding. I'm into it. Okay, okay. Here's the concept. Are you ready? Yes. It's, it's Double Dare meets Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> Guantanamo <laughs> Dare. Guantanamo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> double Tanamo. <laughs> double double Bay. Fun. I don't know. <laughs> produce it's michael bay's guantanamo bay the ride <laughs> the experience oh All right. featuring nickelodeon's double d yes <laughs> <laughs> mark It'll summers is great. gonna host it's gonna be really good honestly though for real for real like coming halloween season 22 uh extreme immersive horror game show yeah i'm into it i mean it, I mean, there, there was that. I would love another horror game show because, like, I was glued when that show Elevator came out on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Season one was great. Season two was, I did it was weird. Um, but I would love, I would love a revamped version of Elevator, most definitely. Yeah, um, but how would you like to be in one? Yeah. Oh, I would so do it. I would so do it if it was a mm. game show. Mm. Because <laughs> I was like, if there's somebody who knows how unhealthily competitive I am, it's Mel's. Like <laughs> it is yeah. not funny. Like you challenge me to a game of like freaking Connect Four, and I'm like, you know what? This is gonna be life or death because I'm gonna win this game. I'm gonna do my exit interview. I'm gonna talk to Julie Chen and then <laughs> leave with this RuPaul's Drag Race Connect Four crown. And I'm gonna do everything. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also gonna vote you off the island at the same time. So don't challenge. <laughs> Yeah, you ran a whole uh, uh, theme park-based reality game show on the podcast. That was cool. I, I did. I did. I have two seasons, <laughs> and season three is going to be coming out in January, so I'm very excited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then my very last attraction that I would build would be would have been the Great Muppet Movie Ride, the one that was yeah. a parody of the Great Movie Ride. Was yeah. The and that's just self-service because I love the Muppets. Yeah big same but also i think josh and i just had this conversation where i i so as much as i completely agree and i want it i think the only reason that our muppet attraction still exists is because it is such a low uh impact thing compared to other <laughs> attractions like if yeah. if the muppet attraction was what the great muppet movie ride would have been I think it would have been torn out long, long, long before now to cr to open up the space. But Muppet right. Vision, it eats the crowds, it provides AC. It's, yeah. You know, compared to something like fucking Rise of the Resistance, it's very low staff. Mm -hmm. um, it's an attraction that Hollywood Studio needs. It's it's a lower thrill attraction. Yes, and it and it and it's got good and it's got good hourly throughput, which also most of Hollywood Studios does not have. Mm -hmm. um, so I, uh, I I'm glad that to some degree I think they've realized that. But if it didn't serve all those purposes, I don't think it would still be there. So there's a little part of me that's like, thank God they didn't go for anything bigger because it would already be gone. I agree. At I least agree. we still have Muppet Vision for the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. 
I just personally would love to see my favorite Muppet is Janice, and I would just love to see her mm-hmm. any role in that in the Great Muppet Movie Ride. Like, if she's the Pride of Frankenstein, I'm down with that. If she oh yes, is like Juliet Romeo and Juliet, I'm down with that. I just need Janice as some major female lead role. <laughs> I want to see her closing closing the the, the box in a uh, Pretty Woman. That's the one for me with Janice. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I just love Janice so much. I can you can't even open her whole eye. <laughs> I just love that her eyes are her eyelashes and she never can open them. That's when you know you're stoned enough. Yes. And when that's you look, it is constantly. Oh, absolutely. Like, greedy, She's literally man. my icon on my Disney Plus. <laughs> it's Janice. I love that so much. I think mine is Snow White. So basic. I but yeah so those that that's gonna do it for us for our mini what would you do episode um which by the way there was one time I really tried to I don't know if either one of you know Nickelodeon also had a game show called what would you do hosted by Mark Mm. Summers oh yes um and for a split moment I really tried to like figure out how I could get the theme song to that show before every what would you do episode but I was like that's just too hard so I'm just not gonna do <laughs> but I love that theme song so much. It's so catchy. Um, but yeah, so that's gonna do it for our lovely interview with these two creative individuals about this amazing show that I got to experience, Fuck the Mouse, and uh, also our fun little uh, mini What Would You Do episode. Um, but before we go, it's time for plugs. So, Mel, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh probably my phone in soon same <laughs> I, I think i've made that joke every time i've done the show um uh okay well uh, uh twin knife productions on instagram that is uh and also on facebook if you just search for twin knives our logo is a hand-painted cassette, uh, cassette tape um that's where we post about upcoming projects uh for full transparency we are primarily on hiatus right now uh for you know life life be life and um but that's where we update about what we're working on including television coming up soon so if you're interested in the next collaborative project between me and josh and a slew of other uh really wonderful immersive creators uh you can follow me on there as far as personal goes um on twitter i'm mel's diane but it's really I used to talk about theme parks. If you want to scroll back really far, you might see some theme park stuff. Uh, now, I just make sure you know when I'm listening to the Smiths. <laughs> so if, if, that appeal, if that appeals to you, then you know what? Fucking sign right up. Mel's dying. Two L's. Uh, I just followed. I, did you really? No, I don't have Twitter. I was about to say, you don't have fucking Twitter. That's where I shit talk you. You better not get a Twitter. <laughs> nice. nice. Yeah, Scott can vouch. My whole Twitter is just like, I fucking hate the Blackheart Collective. That's, we got the shirt that says on a few. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then as for me, um, I'm at Unstable Nightmare People on Instagram. Oh, there you go. And I'm also uh, at Twilight.Mushroom for my artwork. Um, sometimes we run shows as a Blackheart Collective. Sometimes we don't. But I'm just like spooking around somewhere. If you find Mel, you find me. Yeah. I love it. 
Um, and then as for me, guys, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Scott021 or look up Dyslexic. You can follow me on Instagram at Dyslexic96 and on TikTok at Dyslexic. And you can listen to the Dyslexic podcast every week. So that's going to do it for us for this special episode of Dyslexic. If you like this episode, you can check out all of season one through three of the show and season one and two of Ultimate Imagineer, my theme park based uh, design competition um, on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. If you really, really like this episode, then share the show with your friends and family and give us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform of choice. It would really help the show grow. I have a lot of people who put a lot of time into it and effort, and I would really love for the show to grow, not only for me, but for all of them as well. And uh, thank you all once again for joining us. I can't wait to see you next week for a new episode of Dyslexic. I hope you have a fantastic week. Bye, everybody. I love you, Eli. I know you're listening to this at work. Baba Booey. <laughs> <laughs>